Welcome to the Red Letter Christians podcast. Red Letter Christians gets our name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red. And we're aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. We know that the loudest, most prominent voices representing Christianity in America haven't always been the most beautiful or the most faithful voices. And we know that the way we change the narrative is by changing the narrators. We are committed to amplifying the voices of people who are dedicated to Jesus and to justice. Well, hey, everybody, this is Shane Claiborne, and oh my gosh, you are in for a treat this week. Uh, I actually have been, you know, I've been getting to be pretty good friends with old Tim Whitaker here at uh, the New Evangelicals. We're, um, we don't live far from each other and we have similar, okay. uh, you know, just a sharp wit and sense of humor, but also <laughs> some, some deep concerns about Christian nationalism. Some of the things that are trying to camouflage themselves as Christianity, but really just don't look or sound much like Jesus at all. So if you haven't, uh, Tim's been, we, we've been doing a lot of stuff together and we'll talk all about that. But here's the thing. You're getting this fresh because a brother just got home from Arizona, <laughs> just got <laughs> off a plane like yesterday and was, yeah. I mean, you got to explain this. I don't know if I'm going to get all the language right, man, but I mean, it's basically a Christian nationalism rally. I mean, you got like all the, like uh, the who's who of the, not, it's not just like conservatives. This is the really like kind of wild stuff, right? I mean, did you? Was yeah. it true that was that really a picture of the the shaman guy that was like? Yes, yes, the, the he, was, that he was. took a over the capital. There. I mean, these are people that took over the capital in January, um, yes. uh, in January, and they um, some of them have gone to jail. Uh, some of these people are facing charges right now. But I mean, what was wild is the the connection between spirituality and worship i mean you had those clips yes. of worship I and mean, we're gonna hear all about it but but also yeah. you got people yelling like well all kinds of things so good to see you bro i, I hope we gave you a chance to catch your breath but here we are <laughs> here we are i mean these honestly things like this help me verbally process all it's in my head so i'm happy to come on and kind of get some of this stuff out there because i am working on my own like full recap video that i'll eventually do on youtube and there's just so much to cover at an event like this if you want i can kind of give your audience like like the big picture overview of what i actually went to and who runs it totally that's, that's helpful yeah because okay. there's a lot of folks listening internationally too but some of these yeah. same principalities and powers as scripture would call them like nationalism uh you know god and guns all that stuff is is like in different iterations in different countries so yeah give us a scoop man tell us what you went yeah through. yeah so so there's a in the u.s there's an organization called turning point uh, USA. They're a very large, they would say conservative organization. I put them in the far right category because they don't like typical conservatives, like people like Mitt Romney to them are, are rhinos, Republican to name only, et cetera. And so they're actually massive. The founder is Charlie Kirk. He's only 30 years old. They've raised over $55 million over the past few years. They're, they are huge. And every year they do this thing called America Fest. It's like their, their Super Bowl event. It attracts about 10,000 people, a who's who of, of far right political commentators, um, you know, influencers, politicians, they all come out to this thing. And this is my second 
second you're going to it. So I went out again this year and I go there for a few reasons. I want to keep my finger on the pulse, like what's happening in these spaces. Um, there's a huge faith element that undergirds all of this, which is the Christian faith. So I, I like to keep tabs on, on who's talking and what are they actually saying. Um, and also just to talk to people, like I'm kind of at the point now where a lot of the folks at these spaces, including many prominent ones, know who I am because I come out and I talk to them. So we're able to have conversations off the record that maybe they can never have on the record, right? Because the the, in, the social media world is all about winning and trying to get one over your opponent. But when the lights aren't on and the cameras are off and it's just me and them, you know, getting a drink, a much different conversation, right? So I, yeah. I try to to push things forward in, in that way. I want to just clear, I want to kind of break down turning point really quickly because this is important for our conversation turning point is the 501c3 part there are the that, that that's, that's and the for main... folks outside the u.s that's that's a non-profit a tax-exempt government non-profit organization that's right yep. that's right that is the mothership and they have three branches out of that they have turning point action that's their 501c4 which means that they're a political organization they they, they, they can get involved in politics they also have another 501c3 called turning point faith that's their arm that is intentionally targeting evangelical churches. And then they have what they call is Turning Point Academy. And that's where they have like their own curriculum. They do a biblical citizen citizenship class all over the US. And so they have three other arms that are pretty well established now and that are growing that also feed into all of this. So so America Fest is all of those things. There's breakout sessions on God and the government. There's breakout sessions on, you know, um, um how to, you know, bring turning point into your school. There's sessions on on, on what they're doing politically, et cetera. So this is a this is a big event. It's it's huge. I, I walked 14 miles in two days, Shane. That's how much you're walking around, talking to everyone you can. Everyone's podcasting. There's media everywhere. There's lights everywhere. And here I am, just trying to get my finger on the pulse. So that's kind of the overview. Yeah. Of what we're wow. Okay. So we're going to hear all about it. We're going to hear all about it. Um. But you know, I, and and there's a part of this that you. You, I think one of the things that you and I both have in common as well is like, we're not just wanting to make fun of people. We're not wanting to box oh, people in and say, you can right. never change. You and I have both changed our mind on a number of things. We yep. understand fundamentalism because we, we've been there, you know, it's like, like that old Pogo cartoon. We've met the enemy and it's us, you know, uh, yes, but, yes, but, exactly. Um, so you had some really generous conversations with folks, um, some of them off the record, some on the record. I want to hear about that in a minute. But first, give us the crazy stuff. I mean, like you posted some of these videos that was I mean, they're really alarming. Like uh, uh, the, 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 the idea that you're going to, you know, have prayer, you're going to invoke the language of Jesus, you're going to have a worship service there and then hear really hateful things from some people, not from everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. So I want to emphasize that your first point. This is not about dehumanizing people. I don't go in there to make clickbait, you know, uh, content. And that's why they they allow me to come. I mean, the uh, turning, Charlie Kirk has met me before. He knows who I am and he knows what I'm about. And he lets me come out because he knows that I'm not here to make fun or to try and make things what they aren't. I really try and do my best to be factual and to be fair. And I, I, I'm not undercover. People know who I am conversations, especially on the grassroots level, I believe is how we move things forward. And then we can fight the legal battles in a different arena, right? 
But yeah, to be very frank and clear, the the bad news is is that events like this, the level of rhetoric across the board is is just very unchristlike, flat out, and also scary. For for example, this shaman figure. So if you've ever seen videos of the insurrection, there's a guy who was part of it who got inside the Capitol building, got inside the chambers, and he 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 led a prayer to Jesus, you know, thanking yes. God for this opportunity. He served two years in prison. And he's out and he was at this event and treated like royalty. You know, he he was a patriot, a true patriot who was fighting for America, being interviewed by people. I actually got a selfie with him. I couldn't believe it myself. They have other booths there. Like I have this pamphlet right here about the truth of 9-11. I mean, we're talking about real conspiratorial stuff, you know, um, the, the Twin Towers and Building 7. What happened? Uh, it wasn't hit by a plane. Find out more. There was a booth there that was treating the current people who are being prosecuted for insurrection as as prisoners of war and how to fight back against the, the gulags of the DOJ. I mean, these are real booths. I have real video of this, you know, and then you have the rhetoric. So the way it's broken out is you have this main hall that from day to night is just one speaker after another. You're going to have um, commentators like Candace Owens will be there. Trump Jr. will speak. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's a current presidential candidate in the U.S. for Republican, he spoke. And then they also had Steve Bannon speak. Steve Bannon is someone who, frankly, is maybe one of the most dangerous people in this kind of space. He's well-established. He is behind some of the more um, authoritarian movements, even national, uh, internationally, like in places like Hungary. And he is very much a militant, you know, destroy the enemy kind of person. So I'm watching Steve Bannon give this speech where he is calling they, meaning the liberals or the Marxists, they're, they're demons. If people come after Trump, we have to get retribution. If anyone lays a hand on Trump, Trump were coming after you. Um, I thought in the room he led a chant saying F another politician. And and yeah. Steve thought that too, because at the end of the, the clip I posted originally, he says, This is not a PG crowd. It turns out though, um, he actually the crowd was actually yelling Tucker, T-U-C-K-E-R. So I had to retract that video. But my, yeah. my point is the same. The whole speech was built on the other we got to destroy our enemies their demons yeah he called nikki haley who's a presidential candidate lucifer, lucifer and then yeah. and shane this is what got me i'm not no exaggeration 25 minutes later a worship band comes out and they start singing songs to jesus yeah. and i'm thinking to myself this is actually a good example of how christian nationalism functions. It, it will incite their followers to build crosses for their enemies and then worship a Jesus who bore a cross for his enemies. Come right. On, and that, yeah. that was what was so hard for me to reconcile was all this talk about God and quote unquote biblical values and a biblical worldview and the gospel, but having it in a place that was built on enemy making and 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 making fun of people and you know um um treating minority groups like queer folks as like the most dangerous thing to come to America and espousing legitimately the great replacement theory, which for your international folks is this idea that that really white America is being replaced through immigration by like a deep state globalist cabal. That stuff was blatantly being pushed out there and celebrated. So when you hear that, you go, I don't understand. Like, how do we read the Sermon on the Mount and go, yes, this this lines up with the way of Jesus? 
Yeah. And some of this has just been recently reinforced, too. I think we both posted, uh, you know, a, a video of Donald Trump um, just this last week uh, saying that these immigrants essentially are going to po they're poisoning us. Right. They're, yeah. they're poisoning our country. Um, and he names the countries they came from. So this idea of replacement or I mean, it's it's really not even coded uh, white supremacy that's out there, like overt racism. Right. Um uh, think of that time that Donald Trump said that, uh, you know, he doesn't have a racist bone in his body or something like that. And, right. and, and other folks, said, I'm not worried about his bones. I'm worried about his policies and his, <laughs> country, and his heart, you know. But, yeah, uh, yeah. but um, so is there a continuum, though, of decency that that is tolerated? Like, I think of someone like Nick Fuentes, right, that we just saw this video that, I mean, is calling for the death penalty of non-Christians. He's saying, let's execute them. He's been like unapologetically, uh, uh, you know, a, a white supremacist. Like, w it, would someone like him be there? Is that is that like a little too far even for this group? Even okay, he um, claims two, to be a Christian, right? He claims to be. Yeah, a yeah. Two things. First off, let's keep in mind that Nick Fuentes got dinner with with President Trump at at one point after he and was Kanye, in office. And, yeah, and, yeah, and Kanye, and, and never, and Trump never like recanted that he never said oh well i didn't know this was terrible of course i stand against it so that's how close people like nick fuentes are to people like trump here's what i will tell you shane I, and from what i saw nick was definitely not there there are a lot of young white males who look like nick though they have this little mustache thing going they wear the same kind of suit and tie the sunglasses like nick does i cannot objectively prove that there's a direct connection but i heard language and saw attitudes that very much reminded me of that like young white male nick fuentes type ideology of like take back the country you know kind of vibe but i even though nick wasn't there um people who have done work with him are there marjorie taylor yeah. green attended nick fuentes's conference two years ago um and she was there you know so i i while he wasn't there i think some of the ideologies are there's definitely an overlap yeah absolutely and i mean i think that's the other thing that's noteworthy in all of this is we think of the like aging out of some of the fascism and the bigotry yeah um no. And while there there is some truth to that, as you look at some statistics of, and the changing demographics of Congress and of our country and all that, there's a youthfulness about this that's really startling, right? Uh, I, I this is a huge point that I think people need to wake up to. You know, you, you always hear the mantra, "Oh, the next generation is more progressive." They said that, they said that, that about millennials. Okay, and here's Charlie Kirk running one of the biggest organizations. You know, pushing this stuff. The the event of eleven thousand people. Of course, I didn't see everyone. A heavy young crowd, young white men and women, some people of color as well, of course, but definitely, you know, and, and think about it, Shane, right? Because there's such a Christian evangelical overtone to all of this. When I was growing up in evangelicalism, I reveled in the fact that I was countercultural. You know, I'm wearing yeah. the Rock for Life t-shirt. I'm I'm part of the, the resistance. So I totally get the allure of thinking, oh, I'm not like my peers. I'm different. I'm counterculture. I'm doing something special for God. I know how that system works. And it's, so it's still manifesting itself even today in spaces like this. Okay. I got so many questions. We got just a few few minutes left, but we'll, we'll do this again soon. But here's the thing. So I I, I want to get to the 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 like more human real conversations. Yes, but one, right. one other one other question I had. There is this like kind of double speak paradox within a lot of this that we are patriots, we are true Americans. This is America Fest. And yet you also like attacked the Capitol and 
police officers, you know, were injured and died. People lost their lives. Like I've heard these same pastors like Greg Locke, right? When I visited his church that said, um, they're coming for us. Uh, you know, just like Pharaoh sent his troops, our government is sending their troops. So there's this kind of, you know, apocalyptic, uh, the preppers that have bunkers and stuff. Not everybody's mm -hmm. like that far, but there mm -hmm. is this paradox, right? That like we are Americans, we love America. And yet like our government is messed up and we need God. Like it's just, it's hard to kind of track with all that a little bit. The hardest part, and I'm just being honest, is, is, is finding the consistency. Right. Um, uh, Joe Biden is sleepy Joe and weak and pathetic, but also his DOJ is the most powerful force in the world destroying America. We're true patriots. We love the country. But, uh, you know, Trump just got kicked off the ballot in Colorado. Oh, my gosh, this is tyranny, even though he incited an insurrection. Right. We love law and order until we don't anymore. Um, you know, um, we stand on biblical values until it's the passages about about how we treat the oppressed and the marginalized. Then that's individual calling not a societal calling you know we're, we're we're true bold americans yet we're totally fearful that at any moment troops are going to come in and take our guns and in 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 our bibles away right so it's so it is very hard to find the congruency everything kind of folds in on itself uh who are the americans in their mind who you know i, I i'm a citizen i'm a christian um but for some reason for some reason i'm not a true american Right. Or a true Christian, just because I see some things differently. So it's yeah. a very insular world that 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 is just kind of this con consistent paradox of we're this and we're that at the same time. And whenever it benefits us, we can change to the other. Right. So. Yeah. So when, when when we lose a court case, oh, my gosh, our rights are under attack. Um, you know, we should be freaked out. Whenever we win a court case, look, God is on our side. We're taking back the country for God. We're a powerful force to be reckoned with. Reckoned with. We're, we're we're making a change. It's a lot of that, and so it's, it's it's a lot of whiplash, frankly. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, the other thing that was uh, really noteworthy for me is even as you hear Jesus's name invoked as sort of a mascot for the movement, um, you hear very little about love which is what Jesus said they will know that we are Christians by. I mean, almost every time is he's opening his mouth, it's about love. Our scripture says God is love. And I don't know if it's, I, I don't want to read into people's psyche, but um, I mean, we've heard Donald Trump even basically say, you know, love is a sentimental thing and not, not the kind of love that we're talking about, right? Like that, that, that the Sermon on the Mount is actually um, teaching us, what love looks like. Jesus embodies a love that is courageous and willing to die as anything but passive. Uh, and so, kind of, but but you don't hear much about love, right? Well, that's what is I think so interesting is that in a way you don't hear a lot about love, but in a way you do. And they really redefine love to be again. We're saving the country. We love our country. We are true yeah. patriots. We're stopping. We're stopping the trans agenda from grooming children. Right? Yeah. They, they redefine love to be this version of truth that they see is infallible and objective because it's God's truth. I mean, I literally listened to a Christian apologist, Frank Turek, uh, in one of the breakout sessions, who uh, you know called "Ending Wokeness in the Church." That was the actual title of the breakout session. Right. And uh, and in it, he says that you know, um, our you know, we have to be loving. We 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 don't have to be jerks. 
rejects, but but love stands for truth. Love rejects evil. And so when someone says that 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 they want to transition, we have an obligation to love them by telling them that you know no, like you know you're just going by your feelings. It's not what you really think. It's that kind of thing, right? So yeah, they'll talk yeah, about yeah. love, but all roads kind of lead back to this particular worldview. Anything outside of that is actually a false representation of whatever term they're talking about. Yeah, and 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 I, I you know I I think that the, that contradiction you see in some of the viral clips you know of Ramaswamy that's saying f Van Jones you know right. and, and also you right. mentioned you know you don't exactly call someone Lucifer in love you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> Ex- exactly but, but you exactly. know I think I, I think um, not to make a equivalency but there 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 are lots of things that are happening on a progressive side that don't feel like love that don't sound like love there's a self-righteousness and so we have to be i think we've always got to be cautious of um when our ideologies cause us to close our hearts to conversation and to um you know being able to have a real human interaction with another person. And I think of that study I quote a lot from, it was called More in Common, but it polled people both on the left and the right that said not only did they believe that their political opponents are wrong, they believe that they are evil and the world would be better off without them. And like yeah. that almost mirrored each other from the the polls, from folks that were really strongly conservative and really strongly liberal. You start to go, man, when we think that another entire group of people that might even push half the country is evil and the world would be better without them. Like it's not a good place to be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really tricky Shane, because, you know, when I think about, you know, I think about Jesus when he says liberate the oppressed and, you know, we want to stand for the marginalized. And I think about like, like the rhetoric and also the policies that these places are pushing. I'm like, they're just so opposite that. Right. And yeah. so it's tough. It's a real, it's a real fine line because I'm with you. I mean, we have a very, at the new evangelicals, we have a very strong ethic of non-dehumanization. Like, I don't care who you are. I don't care how problematic I think you are. Once we start dehumanizing, you run the same path that always leads towards violence. Right. Yeah. Um. So, so you don't so- want to do that. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Go ahead, man. Well, you, you, you don't want to do that, but you also need to find the time and the ways to say, to say, no, like this, this, this yeah. thing that you're advocating for is going to, is hurting real people. And it, it, this thing actually gives you more power and control and author and authoritarianism to do things to people that a violates their constitutional rights and also violates them as humans. And that's the real rub for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, if you're just tuning in, y'all, this is so exciting. We're having a little conversation about the America Fest. Uh, thousands of people that just gathered, um, and uh, my brother Tim Whitaker was there from New Evangelicals. And uh, we, so I want to talk about some of the uh, interactions that you had maybe off camera or, you know, in the bar or something like that, that were... Um, um, Maybe heartfelt, you know, and I, I don't know if you ever heard me tell that, uh, like when I when um, Doug Paget and I went to the National Rifle Association gathering, the NRA, we went to the prayer breakfast there. We were escorted out for naming the names of the children of Uvalde that lost their lives. But before that, one of the first interactions I had was someone that had read one of my books and wanted to talk. And we had an amazing wow. conversation. And honestly, right. I think it was a spiritual moment because I was, you know going into this space with assault rifles everywhere and not sure what to expect. And then boom, first interaction I have is with this young, 
uh, man that in, in a lot of ways reminds me of myself when I was, you know, 18 years old. But um, so tell tell me a little bit. And then, you know, if we run out of time, we'll keep going for the folks listening to the podcast. But yeah, this is what makes these things so difficult to navigate because you realize that you're dealing with with human beings. They have families, they have preferences. Sometimes our personalities get along great. We have the same type of humor. Maybe they're my age and they have two kids at home and they miss their kids or, you know, all that, all that good stuff. So, you know, I think the important thing here is that um the the one-on-one um conversations, I think, is where the real work is done. Obviously, yeah. policy for sure, but in this space, like, I'm not gonna go any, I would get nowhere. Just yelling at people saying, oh, you're this, you're that. How could you? You make the progress by earning the trust, by being yourself. This is It's not trickery. And then being able to ask the questions in good faith and get them to really think, right? Because we all have, we all have that, that, that defensiveness. If it's an opponent that I'm talking to, I want to win the battle. But if you come across as like, hey, I actually care about you as a human. You're made in the Imago Day. I'm just curious. Like, how do you see this? Very different. So I, yeah. I, I did have, I'll just say briefly, one quick story. I'll, I'll summarize it quickly. Yeah. We can discuss more on the podcast, but there's one person who has a pretty large account um, that I, I met last year, not initially on good terms. We, we, we both called each other out online. We shook hands. We started talking. We got along surprisingly well. I talked to them again this year. I had a great conversation with them twice um, off camera that got them to think where I was able to pry a little bit and say, well, help me understand how this works. And they really couldn't. They go, yeah. and they said, that's a good point. And then they posted about me today saying how much they love me in front of their 100,000 followers. And they're texting me saying it was so good meeting you. So I'm like, okay, we have strong differences, no doubt, but we have a human connection. And this is maybe one step towards that better path forward. Because let's face it, Shane, we're on the same planet. All right. We're yeah. breathing the same air. We got to make it work somehow. Yeah. Wow. And, and, you know, do you feel like, I mean, when I, when I went to Greg Locke's congregation and went, to, you know, I sat there for similar reasons, like not to disrupt, but to try to better get a pulse on it, to know how to interact with it, to know how to pray, to know how to, um, you know, and how to organize around it too, like to, to, to try to, um, make a difference. So like when you think of the conversations that you had, um, did you did you get the sense that some some folks are acting on stage or that some folks they 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 fully are no different than they are on stage uh, or is it really probably gets pretty blurry right it gets blurry you know I I don't meet a lot of people who talk well I've met a few people who talk who talk on the big stage I, I would say the ones I talk to have their convictions but the way that they act on stage and on camera is different than who I met behind the scenes and yeah. it taught me that i never want to be that way hopefully the, if someone's watching this who's at america fest who met me hopefully they're hearing the same tim now than they heard when i was talking to them right yeah. i don't want to be this this person on camera who's angry or calling out people then i'm real nice behind the scenes i think that's what's also jarring is like you know so and so you just said this about this group of people and i'm i'm a progressive i'm one of these you know woke idiots and now you're talking yeah. to me like like i'm a human being turns yeah. out we're human you know so what hopefully that changes how you approach your content going forward that's what i'm talking about all right we're going to keep the conversation going but we're out of time for the radio show so thanks for listening in y'all let's keep uh lifting up jesus and challenging the the christian nationalism in all of its forms and facets uh check out redletterchristians.org thanks for listening so yeah dude so i like so when you when you sent me that picture of uh the the shaman yeah 
What's his name? Does he have a name? Is, uh, I don't even know. I, okay, I, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure it's out there. Yeah. I just don't know it. But but I mean, so this this um, this very complicated person that uh, you know was leading prayers in the Capitol. I mean, did you have like was it a quick interaction? Did you have a little? Time together, I didn't like talk what? to him at all. Um, okay. I just got the picture because he had a line for him. I'm like, oh, picture, I'm out of here. But I, here's like, what's interesting, oh, Shane. Lord have mercy. This is yeah. this is also again. Because this he, is had the full, event. he had face paint and the full fur thing, and everything full going thing. on. Dude, yeah, people okay. loved him. He had a line yeah. around him the whole time. Oh god. Here's what's it. odd yeah. though. Mm-hmm. And again, this is why when I go, huh? I'm listening to him do an interview live on the air in one of the booths, and he's talking about the one percent. And how they control, you know, our our how they control so much, and how they're poisoning our streams. The and billionaires, how, the same folks that the Occupy movement were about. Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Right. And like you, you, I every now and then I would hear something. I would go, "Uh, yeah, like hello, yes, I, I totally, yes, exactly." I mean, th- this shaman guy, um, was talking about about the environment and how we're we're, we're polluting the waterways and how it's killing off my. Well, I mean, it was in the news because when he was in prison, he wanted like a vegan you know a vegan uh diet not the spam that you get when you're there or whatever yeah so yeah. right and then i heard a, a pastor at the at the end woke thing say hey we want to respect the environment but but this worship to the environment is what's wrong i'm like wait wait wait, wait. like help me understand what you're talking about here like there are people like Catherine hayhoe a christian climate scientist who knows her stuff you know who's like yeah. hey we have the data the planet's warming we have to reduce pollution somehow in their mind that's liberal and therefore climate worship but also yes companies are poisoning the waterways and that's bad and it's like wait a second guys you don't see the connection here like you and i would agree me and the shaman would agree on that right we would agree on how the top one percent are profiting off of the average working class and killing wages and that was what was interesting i had a lot of agreement with people when i talked to them about things like that i mean my approach would often be like this i would say listen so and so i'm actually quite pro-family you know, I don't want to worry about about an unexpected healthcare bill. I don't. I have friends who won't even take an ambulance ride because of of of, of this surprise bill because yeah. their insurance might not cover it. Right? Why can't we get affordable healthcare in the country? And they would largely agree. And then I would say, listen, and and I would concede this point to them. I would say, listen. I know that one of the talking points right now for Joe Biden is that, is that the economy has grown so much. I don't feel it. My grocery bill is still 40% higher. I'm with yes. you. Wages are low. The average, the federal wage is still 725. Don't you think that we need livable wages when people like Amazon, right? Are, 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 are sorry, companies like Amazon are profiting billions, record yeah, profits right. off of people. And then I would do, and it's biblical. James five is a, is a, is a vicious warning to those, oh, to, to those yeah. uh, rich owners, right? Who exploit Woe their workers you. for profit. Yeah. Woe to you. You fatten yeah. yourselves up like, like, like cat. Of, like cattle for the day of slaughter and they go yeah no that's a good point i'm like exactly see I'm, it's not what you think once we start talking so i had i had quite a few of those conversations just trying to plant seeds of like hey i know that for you this term biblical is doing so much weight but like or carrying so much weight but look i i, I believe in the bible i i see it as authoritative here are the verses i think about that help me you know see yeah how let, me, let me ask for. you about that because i think that i mean there there is this real discrediting of any progressive viewpoint as like they they're they're they hate god they hate america yeah, i mean that's the right. extreme version but you even hear it from franklin graham right like so these are people that actually totally. Um, but when you share about your faith, when you share about like how you um, 
orient your life differently because of Jesus. When you read verses like those in James, they inform how we think about economic policies and living wage and things like that. Right. Um, like, do, do they think you're faking it? I mean, did, did they did they receive it? Does it? Do you think it cracks the wall a little bit that actually you can be a follower and disciple of Jesus and um, care about racial equity? <laughs> yeah, it depends. <laughs> Say black it depends on- matter. It depends on who I'm talking to. There's one person who I won't name who um, I go back and forth with him on Twitter all the time. It gets pretty brutal. We met and we talked for two and a half hours. We still did not see eye to eye. I had a hard time communicating with him, but we still shook hands and said, hey, I appreciate your discourse. Then there are other people that I'm talking to, ones who maybe aren't super involved in the theological end. They just kind of hear the mantra and repeat it, but they're more in in like the political space who when I say that, they go, Oh, like that's in the Bible. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, yeah. I, I remember specifically at, at the last night, I'm at dinner with that one person who I, who I met last year and got along with really well. And they're introducing me to someone else at the table and we're talking theology. And the person's like, listen, I believe in biblical marriage. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, when you say biblical, what do you mean? I mean, David had eight wives, that kind of biblical marriage. And he's like, right. well, no, not that point. I'm like, and I say, exactly. Like, listen, I, I get what you're saying, but if you read the Bible, it's a pretty complicated view of marriage, dude. Like, right. like maybe you could say New Testament, but let's let's be specific. So once you start challenging them in a in a respectful way on the language they're using, I, I'm trying to get them to, to realize how much weight these terms are holding, yeah. um, and how much how much weight they're carrying for them, and how when you actually read the text, there's a lot of stories that are quite hard to swallow for that like you know, the consistent view of marriage is this in the Bible crowd. It's like, uh, guys, chapter four of Genesis, Lamech takes two wives. I mean, it's like right there in the beginning. So you have to at least, you have to at least admit that like, okay, the Bible stories, you know, how we interpret them is one thing, but at least in the biblical sense, it's a complicated portrait. Uh, And then we can go from there. So I start, I try and start real baseline. Okay, I know you're catching your breath because you just got home, but I got like two more questions. I think. Yeah, so, I'm here like, for it, man. This is I love so it. good. Yeah, I, I like, love talking I, to you. I think I think folks listening too, you, we we don't we, you know we we're trying not to make assumptions. Even as we're talking about them, I find myself uncomfortable painting with too broad a brush because there's yep. there's all kinds of different folks. There's probably people that were uncomfortable when someone's saying f this other person or calling them Lucifer. I'm sure that yes. You know, did you get a chance to talk to the worship team? Because I I, I sometimes feel for these worship teams that show up at events and they're like, wow. And some of them have come out and said, you know, I didn't know this was what I signed up for or whatever, yeah, but yeah, I don't yeah, know. Did yeah. you interact with them at all? I got, I got two stories for for you. Okay. Number one, the, the music director of the worship team reached out to me. He wants to chat. I said, great. Cool. So we're, we're going to talk last year though. They had Kim Walker Smith, uh, who's part of Bethel or used to be. And then yeah. in Jesus culture, lead worship. So okay. I actually, did, I actually did a video on Instagram calling her out lovingly. It wasn't brutal. I said, Hey, Kim, I just have questions. I grew up on your music. I'm a huge fan. And we ended up getting lunch at last year's America Fest and talking for over an hour. Wow. And so I did get a chance to talk to her and have that conversation. It was kind of along the lines of what you said, where they didn't really know what they were getting into. And Kim's approach was, and I don't want to, I don't want to say too many things that might be in confidence, but her general approach was, "Hey, I'll lead worship anywhere. You know, my goal, my job is to lead worship. Period." And I, what I told her was, I said, "Listen, Kim, I hear you. I'm, I'm listen to your audience. I, I'm a, I'm a fellow worship drummer. I grew up playing drums in those spaces for a long time. I, I get that space a hundred percent." What I told Kim was, I said, you might think that you're just leading worship, but to these people, you're giving the spiritual backbone to this entire event. You're stamping it 
with, with, with the approval of God and the Holy Spirit by saying, look, God is here at places like this, where they say things like this about their enemies. Whether you mean that or not is one thing, but how a crowd's going to take it is very much that way, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, and that's kind of going to be on my approach with this music director when I talk to him is like, I don't think you're a bad person. I don't even think that you're some, you know, MAGA, you know, uh, the insurrection was staged. Kind. I'm not saying any of that. I'm asking you if, if our allegiance is to Jesus first and foremost, help me understand the mindset that goes into playing at a place where 25 minutes before you, someone was on stage cursing, uh, calling their enemies Lucifer and insisting that, you know, and, and inciting the crowd to go after the enemies of Trump. Like, help yeah. me see the congruence. So that's a lot of what that's kind of my approach with a lot of this. It's like, I'm not trying to get you in a corner. These are honest questions that I have. This is why I'm not part of this world anymore. Right? Cause I couldn't, I could no longer, I couldn't see how these things were, were working together. And I still can't, even though I go to these events. Yeah. And I mean, your sweatshirt as we're talking says justice takes sides and, uh, yeah. uh you know, a strong wink at our, our brother Jamar Tisby, but the, the, Heck yeah. well, there's that old thing that the neutrality, uh, can be really harmful. You know, if a, if an elephant's got its uh, foot on the, you know, a, a mouse's tail, the mouse doesn't appreciate your your neutrality or whatever. You know, there's like right. a lot of different right. metaphors, but like, right. yeah, I think I think that um, that's part of it, right? Is that we're meant to be a prophetic conscience in the world. Like we're meant to actually um, advocate for the people whose lives are at stake right now. And as we think of Gaza and all the different, like there's a lot, yeah. there's a lot that this is not just like, you know, let's, let's debate racism you know i, I mean exactly you know, or whatever like let's just talk about immigration you know i mean there's people that are literally their lives are on the line so um so the other thing i thought is you know as you were sharing about this i thought of a few years ago we did that revival with red letter christians in lynchburg you know and, yeah. and i mean it was meant to be a loving confrontation to uh jerry falwell's rhetoric and support and having trump you know endorsing and also coming to campus and all this stuff you know and, and having like um all kinds of different things that seem incongruent with jesus so i asked him um could we have a conversation we're not here to like throw stones at you like let's have a conversation publicly or privately i said totally and, totally. and the, the framework for that conversation i would like to suggest should be how does jesus inform uh, the, the way that we navigate the current political environment, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That conversation never happened. But then I reached out several times and um, asked if we could pray together once a month, just privately on the phone, just to kind of break the ice a little bit, to have yeah, a human yeah. voice. And, um, you know, a number of other things that they at uh, one of the, uh, I won't say their name, but one of the leaders of Liberty University at the time with Jerry Falwell Jr. asked if they could have a group of students come and renovate an abandoned house with us in Philly. I was like, absolutely. Like, we would love that. You know, anything sure. we can do to have human interactions. But then, you know, now there's this been this expose. Of course, there's a documentary, God forbid. There's like... Um, the I think it was Vanity Fair that showed uh, you know Falwell saying like I never really bought into the faith. People saw my name and and it's really I mean it really made me sad. It wasn't this yeah. triumphalistic yeah. thing that I but um, it, it really made me think um, I, I this American nationalism is using Christianity uh, not not to just pinpoint Jerry Falwell but like using the faith. And it's literally becomes using the Lord's name in vain, right? That we're like we're we're invoking all of this for a political agenda 
that um, is often driven by fear, by overt yep. racism, by excluding yep. people from our country, by uh, all of this that is is really disturbing. So I think it's proper to end by saying these are some real spiritual forces like uh, Christian nationalism as we saw on January 6th, is a threat to our country, but it's also a threat to authentic Christian faith um, because you begin to see that none of us have it all figured out. But some folks are equating things that are very, very un-Christ-like with Christianity, and it, it's, it's doing a lot of damage. For a long time, I struggled with where's the cart where's the horse you know is this, mm. is this a political movement and then christianity is kind of the trojan horse that they use is it vice versa what what's driving what i've gone back and forth but where i've landed is and i again it's i'm speaking broadly here there's always exceptions to these rules I have found that some of the people who love to say that they are standing on biblical truth the most tend to have what I would argue is the least serious view of the Bible. They really use the Bible as as a way to just grab verses to justify whatever position that they're taking without the context or nuance or complicated nature of even how we got our modern Bible, right? Like they kind of throw all that out the window and say, look, here's the verse, therefore I'm biblical, therefore I'm, I'm the true Christian and you progressives are not. I, so I think we have to start understanding that, you know, I think that people like ourselves tend to take the scripture way more seriously, actually, um, in, in every sense of the of the term. But I have I have I, I am convinced at this moment, Shane, that I would agree with your position that I believe this is politics first and then let's make the Bible and the Christian faith fit into that framework framework by redefining terms or pulling specific Bible verses uh, to then justify why we uphold these certain, you know, values in the name of our politics. And I do think you know, one of the one of the realities I think that our audiences need to understand is that the Christian tradition historically has been used at times as a weapon of oppression and also as a tool of liberation, right? And we, we can look back into the Jim Crow South, into slavery, and see how there were Christians who were justifying everything, you know, through the lens of God. I mean, Jer uh, Jerry, not Jerry followed, uh, John, uh, Bob Jones, the God yeah. has mandated that the races stay separate. But then you have Martin Luther King saying, no, 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 the Christian tradition is about liberation. So I think that I, I don't go so far as to say, oh, those people aren't real Christians. What I say is that they are Christians behaving in anti-Christ ways, right? Yeah. And my goal as a Christian is I want to be Christ-like, not anti-Christ-like in my behavior. Come and on. that kind of makes me own the responsibility of like, hey, this is my former tribe. These evangelicals, they kind of birth who I am now. So I have to own and hold them accountable. But also, maybe there's a better way forward in our faith that's not rooted in nationalism. Yeah, I was thinking of, uh, I think it was Bartolomeu de las Casas that traveled with Columbus, and mm -hmm. uh, um, he became, um, las Casas became a very committed Christian, um, but he began to see the things that were being done in the name of Christ in the church through the colonization of native land with Columbus. I mean, and the really horrible things that Columbus did, and this is the language that he used in his journals. They're pretending to be Christians. Mm. And I thought that was like, I use that wow. language in the, the book I just wrote, Rethinking Life, Pretending to be Christians. And I, I agree with you. Like, we never want to judge who's in and who's out. But we do know that a tree is known by its fruit. 
Yeah. And 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 let's work on the hypocrisies in our own hearts, right? Like yep. I've got plenty of contradictions and things yep. that I'm working on. Um, far be it for me to judge another person. And as much as we judge, we will be judged. But we do know a tree is known by its fruit. When we look at the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, like peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, joy. Those things that like God is, like we're praying those will be a part of who we are. And we always need to, I heard this in my Pentecostal church growing up, Tim, is that we need to test the spirits, right? And so if you go to a thing like America Fest, or for that matter, if you go to a liberal gathering, if you go to a pro-Palestine march in the streets, like we're always saying, what is the spirit of this gathering? Like, is it liberative? Is it life-giving? Is it loving? And hope that we embody those things, but also that they flow out of whatever collective spaces that we're in. So, dude, always a gift to be together. Y'all, it's been a great conversation. We got Tim Whitaker first right here, boom, on the Red Leather Christian <laughs> Radio Show and Podcast, fresh off the plane after being at America Fest. But you should just say how folks can keep in touch because you're going to be doing all kinds of reflections on your time there. We got this great project that that um, I've teamed up with you on, Project Amplify. So tell folks yep. how to stay in touch uh, with New Evangelicals. Yeah, we're, we're a digital first social media driven organization. We're a nonprofit. You can find us on Instagram at the New Evangelicals. My, my YouTube recap will come out probably sometime next week. Uh, I'm not sure when this will come out, but uh, you know, middle, uh, end of December, early January. I have a lot of content to get through. We're on podcasts, we're on TikTok. We're pretty much everywhere that digital spaces are, we exist. Boom. And you're also on Red Letter Christians as one of our co-conspirators, I believe now. Uh, But anyway, we love it, man. We're doing it together. We're teaming up. We're going to do all kinds of stuff in 2024 together. But make sure you keep following Tim and the New Evangelicals. They are um, very much trying to change the narrative of what uh, faith is really about and not allow folks to hijack Jesus. Come on. Hey. So (laughs) thanks, bro. We'll talk soon. Love you, man. Yep. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Red Letter Christians podcast. Too often, Christians have used our faith as a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the world we live in. But at Red Letter Christians, we believe our faith is not just about going to heaven when we die, but also about bringing heaven to earth while we live. For more information on Red Letter Christians and upcoming events, additional resources, you can go to the show notes or our website, redletterchristians.org. You can also support Red Letter Christians by giving a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustainer. Just go to our website and click the red donate button. Thank you for being a part of this conversation and for being a part of this movement.